you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Uh, uh, You ready for some football? Right? Any Tampa Bay fans in the house? Any Kansas City? Who's for the commercials? Right? Okay, we get it. We get it. We get it, right? Hey, grab your Bible, Matthew chapter 22. Uh, I I don't know who's going to win the football game tonight. There will be a team at the end that is crowned the Super Bowl champion. But here's what I do know is that God wants us to win in life. That this book, whether or not you're opening it to Matthew 22, you're turning it on to Matthew 22, this book, God's Word, wants you and me to win in life and in death. The question is, is will we lean in to the head coach, the ultimate coach, King Jesus, and listen to his word this morning? Now, in Matthew 22, something really important for you to know is in Matthew 21 is that famous portion of scripture you would call it Palm Sunday it's that time where he's coming in it's his final entrance into Jerusalem they lay down the palm trees it's like all right Jesus is coming but how quickly the narrative changes and over the next several chapters Jesus like a coach like the two coaches tonight will speak into those athletes We'll give final instructions. Okay, offense, here's how we need to score. Okay, defense, here's how we need to stop them from scoring. Jesus is going to outline for us how you and me, we will win in life. You got your Bible, right? Look at verse number one. Jesus spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So right now, he's trying to get your eyes off of this kingdom, right? Most of our life, right here, we we think about being a citizen of the United States. We're a part of the state of Florida. You live in Marion County, right? He's trying to immediately get your eyes up to a whole nother level because he wants you to win. He doesn't want you to fumble the ball. He doesn't want you to get sacked. He he wants you to understand what's really important. Now watch. Verse 3. This king, after he had prepared this wedding banquet, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cattle. And and they butchered them and everything is ready. In other words, it's like tonight, your barbecue's ready. You got some wings and all the favorite that you're going to have at your soup. It's all ready. I've prepared everything for you. You also need to know this. Not only had he prepared all the food, not only had he prepared the place, but he even provided the wedding garments. Culturally in those days, like today, when you go to a wedding, right? If you're an invited guest, you, you, know, you put on a suit, put on something nice. In those days, the host, this king, he provided the wedding garments for everybody. All they had to do was accept the invitation. That's it. They didn't have to buy anything. They didn't have to cook anything, right? They didn't have to bring anything. They just had to come in as the invited guests of the king. Sounds simple, right? 
But look what happened in verse 5. They paid no attention and went off to the field, to this field or another field, and to do their business. In other words, they're just too busy. They knew that the king was hosting a party. They knew that he had prepared all the food. They knew that he had prepared, prepared the wedding garments. Everything was ready, but you know what? On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, it's about a 2. It's just not a priority for me. I got something else going on. I wonder how many of us gathered in this space today. You, you, know, you know God. You know about him. You know he's got a book called the Bible. You know you can talk to him in prayer. You even believe what Jeff said, that he wants to walk with you. But quite frankly, you got other stuff going on in your life. Got your career, you're trying to make some cash, got your hobbies, you got your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your kids, your house. Oh my goodness, I ain't got time for all that. That's what's happening in Matthew 22. Notice it wasn't enough just to reject the invitation, they wanted to cancel the invitation. Look at verse 6. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those. In other words, they became convicted. You might use the word guilty. That Oh, my goodness, the king. and I, well, These servants, we're tired of you telling us about this party. We're tired of you telling us about this invitation. We ain't got time for that. Matter of fact, we're going to just shut you up. And they silenced them. Notice verse 8. Then the king says to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone and everyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find. The good, the bad, and the ugly. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, ugly. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. What Jeff said earlier is so true. You don't do one thing to cause God to love you anymore. This is a hard reality because some of us are convinced that somehow if we behave a certain way, God's going to owe us. We deserve heaven. And what this entire piece that Jesus, the head coach, is trying to teach us is that how we come into the relationship with God, you don't come in on your own efforts. He's already provided everything for you. The whole story of the gospel is God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus for you. You don't have to clean yourself up. One of the great tragedies in the, in the church in North America is we try to clean ourselves up, then we come to God. That's what happens in this story. Look what happens next. But when the king came in to see all the guests, he noticed there was a dude there, a man, that was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, hey, 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 how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? He had provided everything. He had, he had said, here's the clothes, here's the place, here's the food. And notice, the man was speechless. He had no excuse. He just decided he was going to do it his way. And isn't that the human way, to do it our way? Haven't we been doing that all the way back since Genesis? When God said, listen, you can have the entire garden, enjoy it all, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away. And we said, yeah, we hear you, God, but you know what? We're going to kind of do it my way. I did it my way. <laughs> isn't just a Sinatra song. It is a human anthem. And it continues here. We, we've got this idea that somehow we can approach God on our own. God's already done everything for us. This man was speechless. And then notice 
the result. In verse 13, he gets thrown out. He gets thrown away. He's no longer able to be a part of this party. In verse 14, for everyone is invited to enter in. Everybody's invited. Everybody. No matter what you've done, what you've tasted, who you've slept with, how you identify, no makes no difference, how you voted, all the different things that we try to measure ourselves up. Everybody is invited into a personal relationship with God through his son Jesus. But the Bible says, few respond in excellence. Some of your Bibles say, say everyone is invited, but few are chosen, which would give you the idea that somehow you're chosen by God. In, in the Greek, it really is a better translation. Few do it God's way. We want to approach God on our own terms. We want to show up and have a relationship with God how we want God to be, what we want God to think, what we want God to be in our lives. And so this man is lost. His life is lost. He's not going to win. And the whole crowd misses it. The whole crowd, instead of leaning into this and saying, now wait a second, have I come? Have I come to God uh, the way that God wants me to come. Now watch this. That doesn't mean that you come that you've got to clean yourself all up. You can't clean yourself up. That's why he provided these garments. We don't come to God in our own righteousness. We come to God in his righteousness. What Jesus did for us on the cross, we take off the old way, the Mark way, the way that I think, how I feel, what I want. I took that off as a Marine and put it to the side and I put on Jesus and now I'm invited into the party. But too many of us want to show up at God's party in the old way. I want to show up and not with Jesus on me. I want to show up, hey, it's Mark. L- l- listen, God, you got, you got to accept me just as a, well, well, God does accept us as we are through his son Jesus who gave the ultimate price for our sin. But when we make a decision for Jesus, we begin to change because now our focus and our priorities begin to change. But the crowd that day, they didn't see it. Immediately, if you let your eyes drift down to verse 15, they pivot and they start having conversations about the law, about what's legal and what's not legal. And by the ways, these, these Romans, I mean, they're, they're taxing us too much and should we pay our taxes? And Jesus says, hey, look it, whose image is on that? Caesar, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. They're not dealing with the issue at hand. They're missing the priority that Jesus wants people to know how we come to him. He wants everybody to come to him, but he wants us to understand you don't come in your own strength, in your own goodness. You come through Jesus. Then they go, well, hypothetically, they have another conversation. Let your eyes drop down to verse 23. And uh, they say, okay, wait a second. There's a woman and a man And according to Jewish law, if that man dies and she's a widow and he has a brother, he's supposed to marry her. And so he says, hypothetically, right? right? Well, what if the second brother dies and the widow's still alive and the third brother, he's supposed to marry? And if the third brother dies and then the fourth brother dies, at some point you start start asking, "What's, what's going on with that girl, right? What is she feeding those boys, right? But ultimately they say, okay, when they all get to heaven one day, um... She was married to seven different brothers. Which one will be the husband to her in heaven? They're taking the conversation off of the priority of a relationship with God through Jesus. And I wonder how many of us really have a confused picture 
of who God is in our life. We know about God, but knowing God personally is altogether something very, very different. I received a phone call several weeks back. It's become a familiar phone call almost once a week, sometimes a couple times during the week. A phone call or a text, someone would call me and say, hey, listen, I tested positive for the coronavirus. Will you, will you pray for me? And, and of course, right? I, I, of course we'll pray. And, and some people have, have really struggled, and some people have passed away from the coronavirus. Other people have had almost no symptoms with the coronavirus. I knew that this particular text, uh, particularly when it became public, would become a, a unique story. Um, because this particular person, to some people, was somewhat of a controversial picture uh, in our community when it came to the coronavirus. And whether or not um, the city council should mandate that people wear a mask or don't wear a mask. And, you know, we've become a divided people. Some people think, you, you know, you have to wear a mask, you don't wear a mask, you're healthier, and, and we have this, this long conversation. And, and so when I told the mayor, Mayor Kent Gwynn, that I would pray for him, I knew that along the way that when the word got out, there'd be some people who would probably get on his Facebook page and be a little snarky and say, well, that's what happens for not wearing a mask and all the other kind of different things, you know, that people do, you know, to make themselves feel better. Um, and as I talked with the mayor, he told me about how he, how he caught it and how that day he, 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 he made a mistake. He said, I, I should have wore my mask when I went into that interview and, and that, he, that he didn't. Um, first, I want everybody to know that we do not, we do not, you know, serve a God who's like a cosmic cop and he's waiting for you to speed. And the moment you do something wrong, he's going to zap you. And because you did something wrong, here's the punishment. That, that's, that's not who our, who our God is. But as I was talking to, to the mayor, and particularly what he experienced and what he learned about who God is and his personal walk and what a priority is with God, I, I, I came to the conclusion that, that we needed to hear it. Uh, so I want you to hear uh, this morning um, uh, the mayor's story in his, in his own voice. Hi, my name is Kent Gwynn, and I'm the mayor of Ocala, and, you know, this is my story. Um, so on January 7th, you know, I had a meeting with someone, and, you know, fast forward a few days later, I'm at City Hall, and my assistant says this gentleman called and said, you know, he had tested positive for COVID and, um, you know, wanted you to know. And so I spent the next three hours in my office kind of pondering that and trying to get an appointment to get tested myself and wasn't able to until, you know, the next day, uh, which um, at first I, I tested negative and then, uh, which was one of those rapid tests, and then I tested positive the next day. And so, you know, for me at that time, it just really wasn't a big deal. I had a little cough, uh, but also coincidentally had bronchitis right at the same time. So kind of a perfect storm, right? And so I um, went about my business. I stayed home, you know, uh, quarantined, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, on Sunday afternoon, uh, Sunday evening, uh, my doctor, Dr. John Littell, had me in his office and my breathing had started, you know, being a problem. And I was starting to have all the symptoms that you read about and they were just, you know, happening. Um, hour after hour, day after day uh, there. And he said, you know, he said, tonight's a critical night for you. He said, your oxygen levels are in the 80s and um, that's not good. Um, so we need to get you, you know, into the 90s, you know, in 82 and 83. 
And so I, um, I came home and, you know, I was just really, you know, not in a good mood, obviously, and uh, really worried and scared. And so I said, you know, people have this and they die in the hospitals and medical folks, they do everything they can to save people, but, you know, some people just don't make it. And so anyway, I, um, I was okay and, you know, um, and then Friday night, I think it was, um, no, it was Monday, this is next Monday, I had, uh, right after that meeting, um, all these dates are kind of a blur after a while. And uh, I went to, uh, went to get an antibody infusion at the hospital at Advent. It was very, you know, uh, very good, helped me. Um, and then I came home that night and I was having a hard time breathing again. And so I, I called Fire Rescue, well, called the non-emergency number and said, hey, could Fire bring some oxygen over to me? And, uh, and they pulled up and they gave me some and then they left and then course, you know, Chief Alexander, Shane Alexander called me and goes, Mayor, I said, you're not being a good patient. He <laughs> said, you need to go to the hospital. And then I got a call from Chief Falk and same thing, Mayor, you need to go to the hospital. And so fire rescue and the ambulances, they, they came back and uh, got me and, you know, kind of a blur going out and, you know, went to, went to Advent. And so I ended up in, uh, in the hospital room, it was room 606. And, um, you know, spent the next five days, you know, there. And it was just really, um, really an amazing time. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, you're by yourself, you know, you've got your little nurse button, you know, and the, those were my angels outside room 606. And uh, whenever I needed them, they would come. And, you know, uh, when I didn't ask for them, they would come, you know, and help me and give me shots. and take blood and just do all those things that they do. So, you know, one of the things that I, uh, that I did, and this is, this is the most important part, you know, um, like you really, um, you really understand like what's important in life and what's not important in life and all these like city things um, just weren't important anymore. Um, I'm told that being sarcastic that everyone's water came on while I was gone uh, the electricity came on uh, so everyone was fine you know I wasn't there um, but the city ran just fine without me and um, but you know one of the things and I've, I, I've told Pastor Mark this and told Emily this you know one of the th three songs that made such a difference to me and you know, I would play them and I told you, Emily, the other day that I would sing them out loud. And, you know, the nurses never came in and go, what's wrong, what's wrong, you in pain? <laughs> and uh, I'm not a singer. And, uh, but anyway, those three songs were uh, just a closer walk with me that Alabama sings. And so you can get on YouTube and find it, it's pretty easy. And then Alabama, Angels Among Us. And like I said, my angels were outside that room, those nurses. And then lastly, there's a there's a um, rendition of How Great Thou Art by um, Carrie Underwood and uh, Vince Gill uh, that they do at this um, Girls' Night Out AMC Awards thing. And it's amazing. And, you know, for 
for me on that, that last song was just an appreciation and thank you because I would watch my oxygen levels go from mid-80s to like 92, 93 when I listened to those songs. Um, and, you know, you uh, when you're praying for your, your next breath, um, life becomes a little bit tougher. And um, like I said, you find out what's important in life and your, your faith and your family um, become the most important things in your life. Um, I just did an interview before we came here, and you know, that's why I don't have a mask on, I'm out of breath. Um, but um, so someone, and you know, I told them, I said, you know, my priorities used to be, you know, my faith, the citizens of this city, my family, my business, and then me. I always put myself last in my priorities. And um, I saw Amy Graham one day, about two weeks after Greg had died. She stopped me and, you know, we chatted. And I told her those priorities. And she said, Mayor, I said, you, you, you might want to make, flip that citizen's family thing. She goes, because the citizens will always be there. Families come and go. And, uh, and I, I, since Amy and I had that conversation, I've changed that. Because what I've, what I've found out, <coughs> excuse me, is unless I take care of myself, I can't take care of anybody else, okay? And so now my priorities, like I said, are my faith, me and my family, the citizens, my business, and, and I'm not last anymore. I'm with me and my family. So, um, so that's, that's kind of you know, where my priorities are. You know, but one of the things that um, that I learned in that, that song that I talked about, just a closer walk with a, you know, if you, you listen to the lyrics, and I don't know them by heart, but, you know, listen to the song, you can sing along with it. Um, but, I mean, that was my prayer, just, you know, a closer walk with a, you know, to be closer to God. And one of the time, one of the parts of the song talks about, you know, walking along that shore and you know that's talking about what you're you're dying you know and when I go to heaven you know um, what that's going to be like and so um, I was thinking about all those things and um, you know one of the things that that uh, obviously is most important and I would tell you know the, the people out here in the audience is that uh, you know Mark beginning of the service end of the service whenever it may be is going to do an invitation, and he's going to invite you to <clears throat> come down here and uh, give your life to Christ. Um, and you know, we all make a lot of decisions in our life, right? You know, you may have made a lot of bad ones, you know, in your life, but that one is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Period. Uh, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, you know, that if I um, my next breath, if I didn't have my next one, it was going to be in front of Jesus. And I um, have no, 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 you know, uh, question about that. Um, you know, one of the things um, when I became a Christian, actually, this Bible, I wrote it down when it was. Um, this is my study Bible. So I became a Christian on 10 67. I was baptized. On 102967, a gentleman named uh, 
Bob Shuck was doing a revival. He used to come to our church all the time at Wyoming Park, and the invitation to him was, uh, why not tonight? So, you know, I was with my mom and dad and sister, and, you know, and they had the rows and everything, just like, move out of the way, I'm going to go forward and, you know, accept Christ. And, uh, you know, uh, and I did, and, you know, after I did, I, I ran, and my best friend lived right behind the church, and I ran up there and told him, John, John, you know, I accepted Christ, it's awesome, you know, and wanted to tell everyone. Um, but, you know, one of the things, too, talking about, like, my story and, you know, being raised in the church, I was told Pastor Mark this. You know, uh, I was adopted. So um, my my birth mother was a little 19-year-old girl uh, and uh, they grew up around Corning, New York, little town, mother and father were uh, Christians. Um, and little Unwood, 19-year-old girls aren't supposed to be pregnant. And so she took everything she had put it in a suitcase with the clothes on her back, and her doctor told her about an organization called Children's Home Society. Came to Jacksonville to have me, and she—I've met her and everything. It's a great lady, um, and she said, you know, um, I asked her about, you know, did she ever talk about having an abortion, you know? And she said, you know, the the gentleman that, um, you know, got her pregnant. He, talked about it. He said, I know somebody that knows somebody. And she said, no. So I'm going to have this child, period. And so he said, okay. And so um, she did. And, you know, her parents didn't even know about it for years and years after that. She said, it would have, it would have devastated them. Um, but, um, you know, um, and he was even born breached. And it's like, so I, I was a mistake, according to the world. I came out backwards, you know, and, um, you know, everything about my birth was wrong. Uh, but, you know, I think about, you know, about God having his, his hand on your life, you know. So I was in my mother's room on a little bus from going from New York to Jacksonville, right? And to Baptist Hospital where I was born. You know, I've read a lot of, you know, the uh, adoption records and stuff like that. So, you know, they had already adopted my sister and um, two years prior and they were trying to adopt a boy and I was it. And so, you know, I grew up in a Christian family. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about, Pastor Mark and I, was about being in the church. And, the, and it's a great foundation, but being in the church and, and, and doing all those things, it doesn't save you. Uh, I, I, I said that, you know, if, I were, if, if she brought me home on Monday, on Wednesday night, I was, I was in church, guaranteed. She wanted to show me off, right, proud mom. And, um, you know, I was there every and Southern Baptists won't understand what I'm saying. Sunday night, Wednesday night, Wednesday night training union, vacation Bible school, you know, I didn't miss one. But that didn't save me, you know. Uh, <clears throat> gave me a great foundation to know the Lord, right? You know, sword drills up in front of the church and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but they're, they're, they're great things to do, you know, to get your, your kids, you know, um, in the church and all the things that we offer. And, um, you know, those are things you should attend and your Hope Life group, you know, you should be involved with one of those uh, in a great place to, to um, talk to people and just open up. So, um, and I, you know, um, grew up in the church, you know, um, and after I became a Christian, you know, people's lives, they, you have your ups and downs and, 
you know, I got married and been married 41 years uh, to my better half. The voice of reason, she's called it at, uh, at home. But, um, but no, it's, you know, it's been a great ride just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that, you know, life's going to be, you know, uh, a smooth ride. You know, it's a roller coaster, you know, and um, you know, things, things go up, things go down. But, you know, one of the things that you've always got and you can always trust, you know, is your faith in Christ. Uh, if you have that, and, um, you know, and I would invite, you know, when Mark, you know, talks about, you know, inviting people down today, you know, that you would do that, uh, and uh, because when you walk out that door, there's no guarantee you're going to see the sunrise tomorrow, um, you know, um, you know, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew, there was no doubt if, if I didn't breathe my next breath that I'd be in the presence of the Lord, period, you know. Um, but I wanted to do a lot of things and I wanted him to use, you know, what I, um, what I was going through, you know, to put out a message to other people, um, you know, that, um, you know, there's hope in Christ and, um, you know, that's, you know, we, 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 we talk about, you know, when we ask things, um, in Jesus name that he will, he will do that, you know, um, when we ask in his name to to do that and it's to glorify him he'll answer those prayers you know he might not give you a new boat or a new car you know uh or give you a hole in one if you're a golfer but um you know i i, I ask him to use this what i'm going through you know to further you know his message i'm sitting here with you today and talking to you and i've told pastor mark you know um when i was getting out of the hospital i want to use this and talk to you and you know, get this message out to our church. You know, who knows where it'll go? You know, you and I talked about Emily that I just did, and I don't know what it's going to look like. They're going to send me a clip. You know, Channel 6 News, I, I didn't do the interview. They just, you know, did a story on it. Who knows how they'll spin it. But uh, I've done a couple in the Ocala Gazette. There's going to be one Sunday, I think, today, you know, in the, uh, in the Star Banner. Um, so, you know, and as people see this, um, you know, hopefully that message will continue to you know, be brought forward and you know, people will read about it. I, I can't tell you how many people have responded to that Facebook post um, with comments and well wishes, people bringing food by and, you know, uh, don't bring food by, we're good. <laughs> uh, you know, and all those things. But, you know, we, we live in a community and I brag on our community all the time and we need to do more of this, maybe more than we actually, you know, do. We do a lot of it, and our church does a lot of it. But just reach out to people and love on them, you know, and care for them, you know, and uh, just help each other out. You know, um, I mentioned on that, my Facebook post about all this bickering and politics and things like that. You know, when you're breathing your last breath, or you're struggling to breathe, breathe, all those things don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a liberal Democrat, you know, um, what, what, what your politics are, your sexual orientation, just any of that. It just doesn't matter. Um, but what matters is that relationship you have with Jesus. That's what matters. That's what makes a difference. And again, you know, I encourage people, you know, to, uh, to reach out to Pastor Mark, a friend that you know is a Christian, and let him talk to you about, you know, coming to know the Lord. Um, now, that'll be the most important conversation you know, you can ever have. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like today. I mean, I, my mind was, 
you know, in a, in a, in a church during a revival. You know, it could be the homeless guy that's, you know, sitting in a ditch, you know, that just, you know, asked God to come into his life. You know, I'm a sinner, you know, I want you to come into my life, you know, save me. I want you to be Lord of my life. He could pray that prayer. And it's a Christian. You know, and Mark and I talked about, you know, and I can't remember the exact words, but, you know, the thief on the cross, the metal, what did he say, you know? And then, you know, God said, you know, um, today you'll be with me in paradise. And you can rest assured that that day he was with, with, with God in paradise. So um, wherever that decision is, hopefully it'll be today. But if it's not today, you know, just get some quiet time and, you know, listen to those songs that I, that I mentioned. You know, they meant a lot to me. Maybe they mean a lot to you. Or find a, find a hymn or find a song that, that you like and just kind of meditate, get in your Bible, you know, study this. You know, we used to talk about when we were in, in church, you're not supposed to write in your Bible, right? I've got notes here and underlined and, you know, from different verses that I've, you know, uh, read and studied that, you know, I'll come back to the same verse, but whatever I'm studying, it'll mean something different to me um, then than, than it did before. And it's amazing how God's word, you know, is always the right word at the right time, right? Um, and he's speaking to you and there's no better no better uh, way to for God to speak to you than through that Bible. So that's kind of my story. <clears throat> thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor Sandra. Your your passion for Jesus inspires me. You know, in Matthew twenty two, there is a man who was invited to the wedding super party. But he decided that he would go on his own terms. And it ended terribly for him. I wonder how many of us, we want to go, we want to be connected to God, but we want to do it on our terms, which you heard the mayor say, is it's not our terms. Jesus is setting us up in Matthew 22. He wants us to know how to win in life. It's more than your career. It's more than your finances. It's more than politics. All the things that we have a tendency to put on the scoreboard and say, this is how we win. It's none of those. Jesus takes us to the very end. Look what he says in verse 34. Summarizes all of this. They're trying to figure out, how do I win? Hearing, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees, they got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, tested Jesus with this question. A teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, how, how do we win? Like, what's most important? What's the number one priority? You know, what's the box that we need to check off? And, and now we know that we've won. And notice how Jesus replied in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, he says, let me just simplify it for all of us. Love God first. Is Jesus number one on your list of one? You know. Is he? As you heard the mayor say, when you're laying in a hospital room, and it's all about your next breath. All the things that we 
raised to the front of the line, that we make a priority in our lives, mean very little. And what God is trying to teach us right now on this Super Bowl Sunday is, are you making Jesus number one on your list of one? You can go to church. You heard him. He went to church all those years. He was raised in the church. You can, you can show up. You can do all these things. This man in the story, he went to the party. It wasn't that he didn't go to the party. You can go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the evangelists. You can go. But that man got exposed. How many of us have the pretense of God, but we really don't have a personal relationship with God? How many of us, the man in our story, he knew about the king, he knew about the party, but he didn't know the king personally. And so when he showed up, he, he stuck out like a sore thumb. And I understand you live in a culture today that says, listen, there must be many ways to God. That's narrow-minded. How could anybody just simply say there is only one way to God? I didn't say it. God said, it is but by the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. It was God who said, only the name of Jesus is given amongst men under heaven whereby we will be saved. Only Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Your parents can't save you. Your children can't save you. Going to church can't save you. A pastor can't save you. And so what Jesus says is, listen, first make God your number one priority. Love him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. So do you. Are you courageous enough today to do a stress test on your love of God? You know, your, your physical doctor, if your heart doesn't seem to be healthy, he'll put you on a stress test. He will artificially increase your heart rate. He will stress it so that perhaps, potentially, we can find the air. Why don't you stress test your love for God by looking at your time? Can we really say out loud, honestly, that we love God with all of our heart, all our mind, and our soul, and you know a whole lot more about whatever the latest show on Netflix is than you do God. Just do a stress test. Look at your daily calendar. Where do you spend your time? Does it say that I love God first and best on my list of one? Look at your cash. Yeah, I'm just saying stress test it. It's easy. Oh, I love God with all my heart. I love God with all my mind. I love God with all my... Stress test it. See this man in this story, he didn't stress test it. He wasn't willing to really look at himself. And so he decides, I, I, I want to be around God, but I'll do it on my terms. And so he walks into the party in his own authority, in his own way, and he sticks out. He doesn't belong. Not because of his behavior, but because he did not put on the wedding garments. We don't put on. When I met Jesus in the Marine Corps, I put on Christ. It changed who I am. It changes how I think. The Bible says if any man or woman is in Christ, they are a new person. It is a lie that someone has told you that somehow you can say a prayer on Sunday, you can say a prayer in vacation Bible school, you can say something with your lips and live altogether differently. This story that Jesus is teaching us, he wants you to win, but he wants you to know that your lips and your life has to match up or you will get exposed 
This man was exposed. There is no grading on a curve. There is no second chances. He was taken out of that party. He was bound hands and feet, and he was thrown into utter darkness. The passion that you heard from our mayor, the reason he wanted to get this message out is because it's so easy for our lives to get focused on so many secondary third things. Be so easy for the, the legacy of Mayor Gwynn to go down as the mayor who was against mask. I mean, he, he, you are right, Mr. Mayor. You never know how they're going to spin it. And so, you know, to sell newspapers, they have to usually tell you something that's negative. You understand that Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and all that stuff that you spend so much time with, they're going to keep the level raised up, amped up, so they can make money on you. It's not about the truth. It's never been about the truth. It's about them making money and buying homes in, in, on the beach. And, and so on the front page, you know, it talks about the mayor, right, right? The Ocala extends mask ordinance another 60 days. And, and, and the mayor even, I mean, the mayor admitted, uh, while he said he made a mistake by not wearing a mask when he met with the person who likely infected him, he still does not support government mask mandates bad mayor can I just say out loud has it really come to this that like you need a government to tell you how to live has it really come to this as a Christ follower that, that you need somebody externally to tell you how to love people that somehow our behavior we've come to a point we don't know how to behave so city council tell us how to behave we don't know how to behave, so county commissioners tell us how to behave. We don't know how to behave, so House of Representatives in Florida and governor tell us how to go. Look at any place in our culture where the government tells you how to behave and look how dysfunctional it is. Because human beings aren't meant to be told. We're meant to be in a relationship. That's the problem, is the king in this story, he invites the man into this relationship, this super wedding party. Everybody's invited, but we don't come on our own way. We come on the way that God outlines for us. This is the human dilemma. We want God on our terms. We inherited this from Adam and Eve. Rather than understanding God wants best for us, God wants you to win. God wants us. God's not a killjoy. He wants us to win. But we win when we live God's way. So he says, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, and your soul. And he says, second... Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this piece, but let me help you at least in two pieces. One is this. Is some of us, although it can seem as though we live in a narcissistic world and we're very selfish, and maybe on some level that's true, many of us really don't know who we are. We don't know why that agitates me why that irritates me. That's why proverbially we'll say, I guess I got up on the wrong side of the bed today. I've been introducing to you a free tool. I don't know how many of you have accessed it, but it's the Enneagram. The information is on the screen. This tool's helped me to understand how I receive information, how I process information, how I begin to behave when I'm in stress, how I begin to behave when I'm in insecurity. It's helped me to understand who I am. God created you. God created me. God loves you. And the difficulty in loving somebody who looks differently than you, 
The difficulty in loving somebody who votes differently than you, the difficulty in loving somebody who identifies different than you, is because deep down at the core, you don't love you. A person who is healthy and they understand who they are in Christ, they understand that Christ created me, Christ loves me, from that place, I can now love people who are different than me. But the reason you get all critical and the reason you say all the things that you say on Facebook and social media and the reason you're a critical Nelly and all the other kind of things is because deep down inside, you don't know you. And this Enneagram is a great tool to know. I would say do it as a family. Get to know, all, you know who are we as a family? How do we process? How do we you know, share information? And then secondly is this. As he said, he said you gotta, you got to love people. Love people where they are. And we live in a, we live in a world where there's we get agitated, we're irritated by people. If you will remember Genesis 1.26, that every single person in the world is created in God's image. If you'll just start there, that's how you love people. That person, no matter what they say, what they think, the hypocrisy, all the stuff that gets your blood pressure up, if you would just pivot, if you would step back just a little bit and remind yourself God created them in his image. Jesus died for them just as much as he died for me. Jesus' resurrection gives them the same hope that has been given to me. But it's too easy. It's too easy to see how people are different. We become an us versus them. I do this compared to them to do that. And, and even here in a spiritual community, we begin to take matters in our own hands, the way we say things to one another. Uh, I, you know, I, I hope that we are the kind of place that hope, you know, churches, unfortunately, have become so dysfunctional. We, we send this message that to go to church, you got to get your act together. Clean yourself up, right? Make sure that, that you know, you kind of got yourself cleaned up, and I'm not doing these bad things anymore, and I'm doing more right things. And once you get your life kind of cleaned up, now you come to church, Rather than the person who was out at the booty club last night and sleeping with somebody that they're not married to, they wake up on a Sunday morning and think, yeah, I, I, I can go to that place called Hope. Absolutely, I belong there. Or somebody who identifies themselves differently. Or somebody who, who quite frankly, whatever, whatever they're addicted to, this needs to be the kind of place. This is not a country club for so-called Christians. The body of Christ, the church, is this place that people get to walk into and realize, I don't have hope. Is there a place in the world that I can find hope? I need forgiveness. Is there a place? Let me tell you, the bars aren't confused about their business. You show up, you order a drink, they're going to give you a drink. You, you, you go to Chick-fil-A and you watch it, they're going to give you Chick-fil-A. You go to a strip club, they're going to give you strippers. The church gives forgiveness. This is a place unlike any other place where you can come and find redemption and find hope and say, it doesn't matter what I've done. Oh my goodness, God is so good. I had been missing somebody. And so I called them and I said, hey, I've been missing you. And, you know, they didn't pick up my phone. I finally got to talk to them. And they told me that they had come to Hope. And, um, you know, they were a little set off by the pandemic. And so they were wearing their mask. And somebody decided in the hallways out here somewhere, someplace, to look at them and say, what are you wearing the mask for? Don't you know that whenever it's your time to go, <laughs> can't you just see they got a big whole wedgie up their butt? Don't you know that when it's your time to go, don't you just trust God? God will take you when it's his time to go. I just wish I could find that person. 
So, so if you really believe that, number one, then when you go home today, don't drive on the right side of the road. Just drive on the left side of the road because it's your time to go. God will just take you when it's time to go. How ignorant is that? Let me tell you, hope ought to be the kind of place that you can come. I don't care if you're masked up. You wear a PPPE. Wear your bikini. We ought to be the kind of place that it's about human beings coming and discovering there's hope in Jesus. That's why we exist. If that's not why we exist, turn the lights off, save your cash, let's go to a beach on a warmer day. And, 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 but this is what Jesus is teaching us. He's saying, here's how you win. Love God first. Make him first on your list of one. Love him with your time and your cash and your relationships. Be all in with God. And then second is love other people. Love other people. And let me just say this. If somebody does kind of look at you snarky and says, why are you wearing a mask? Or whatever that they post something negative to you on, on, online. Is your skin so thin that you're going, to get un, you're going to get offended because someone says whatever. I, I mean, in other words, if you really are all in and loving God and you understand that your identity is rooted in who God is, then you, no matter what someone says to you, yes, it might hurt. It might cause a scar. But doesn't change your passion that God loves you and that your identity and your security is rooted in who God is. Let's not be offended let's become unoffendable people just trying to prepare you I, 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 those of you who've been with me since since march when we went in this pandemic you remember i said way back in march 2020 what if 21 doesn't get any easier same person said to me they said well i'm going to come back to hope once all the political rhetoric goes down The world system lives in opposition to God. If you're trying to get your cues and how to win from the world, maybe that's one of the reasons you're so frustrated. Matthew 22, he just walks right in. He's walking to the cross. He's the head coach. It's before the team takes the field, and he wants you to know, here's how you win in life. Love God first on your list of one. Are you? If you're not, right now, in this space, online, in this house, I want you to start a relationship with Jesus. You can do all kinds of really good things. This man, other people didn't go. Remember the story, Jeff? The king invited a bunch of people, and they were like, I ain't got time for that. He invited another group of people, and they were like, listen, not only do I have time for that, I'm mad that you're inviting me again. I'm going to kill your servants. This guy at least was willing to get up and, and, and go, to the, go to the party. But the problem is, he wanted to go to the party on his own terms. The problem with a lot of us is we want God on our own terms. Hello, we want an insurance salesman, God. We want to buy a little bit of fire insurance just in case that big old story when you die, there's a real place called hell. We don't want to go there. We want to make sure we don't go to hell when we die, but we want to live any old way we want on this side of heaven. Let me tell you something. You have not tasted and seen how good God is. Because following Jesus isn't killjoy. Following Jesus is heaven on 
earth. It is us understanding that no matter what comes against us, that God is for us, that God is in us, and God is with us. You might not be comfortable. You heard, you heard the mayor say that. But the peace that passes all understanding, one of the greatest life privileges of being a pastor is how many times I'm in the room when someone takes their last breath. Doing funerals, celebrations of life, memorials, Death is real to me. It's more than what you see on the TV. This past week, Russ Gibson, you don't know him, but Russ Gibson, body kind of twisted up for about the last three years. He's kind of walked like this. His hips are all... He began to have dementia. He couldn't really understand who or what was being said in the room. But he had decided a long time ago that he was going to go to the wedding party. And he decided that Russ Gibson, he didn't have what it takes to go to the party. And so he took off himself and he put on Christ. And he stepped up into that wedding party. And for 83 years, he walked on this earth. But this Sunday, for the first time ever, Russ Gibson's not walking like this. He's standing straight up. Linda, he probably has a full head of hair again. He doesn't have dementia, and he doesn't have skin cancer. He has seen Jesus face to face. Is there anything greater in the world to know that your dad is walking on streets of gold? Is there anything greater to know that it wasn't goodbye, dad, this past Thursday, but just good night, dad. I'll see you in the morning. Because your dad decided that it wasn't him being a preacher's son and it wasn't him going to church. He understood that he needed Jesus personally. Do you know that? Have you made that decision? If you haven't, right where you're sitting, online, would you just pray with me? Hey, God, it's me. I thought I could go into the wedding with my own clothes, in my own efforts, in my own strength, but I'm taking that off right now. Jesus, I put you on. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me, and three days later, you became alive again. And today, I choose you as my Savior. And let me tell you, Mr. Mayor, your message is being told today and around the world. And if you just accepted Christ as your Savior, welcome to God's family. We'd love to help you grow in that decision, there's a card at the, at the seat back. You can fill that card out, drop it by guest services, or you can just text me the word today. Maybe you're more private. Text me the word today to 63566. 63566, the word today, and I'll help you grow in that decision. Welcome. Welcome to God's family. Would you stand with me? I'd love to pray over you.
tonight, there's going to be a team that wins. Most of us are hoping it's going to be the... Oh, boy, you really sound enthused. <laughs> are we allowed to go from spiritual to secular that fast? I don't know. We're hoping, all right? We're hoping. We want the bucks to... Yeah, okay, you get it. But we don't know. And, and here, we're going to eat some food, going to have some fun. But you know what's coming tomorrow morning. It's called Monday. We're going to work and the regular world and all the kind of stuff that's out there and politics this, this coming week is going to be crazy at a whole nother level. I mean, if you want to get depressed, watch the news this, this coming week and all the cray-cray, okay? Or decide you're going to step out this week and love people. That, that's what our world needs. It needs you to step out and, and to love them from a place of brokenness. Because sometimes we don't always know why we've been broken. But then we discover that God's allowed that brokenness for a purpose. Because now I can connect with another human being. Now I can walk into their space and to love them. Let's be that kind of people this week. Where the real Super Bowl is won. Where you work, where you go to school, where we live. Father, I love you. Bless these people. Bless the decisions that have been made today for your glory. Help us, God, on this dusty trail called life to make you number one on a list of one. And help us, God, to love people who are so different than us that agitate us and frustrate us. Use us to build bridges that men and women, boys and girls, moms and dads can walk across and discover there is hope in Jesus. I sure do love you. I pray in the name of Jesus, the one who invites us into a relationship with you, in the name of Jesus, who wants to walk with us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peace.